Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your host, Evan Goldstein, and with me as always is the bravest heart, Karen Randazzo. If we had an index file, we could look it up in the index file under index file. And the wibbledy-wobbledy Chris Randazzo. Well, that's democracy for you. We here on this week's episode talk television. Uh, Karen, you chose this week. Uh, I did. Four episodes of season 19 of classic Doctor Who. That's uh, right. So tech, it's it's weird how they like list these things, but it is a four part episode or four part episode for Castrol <laughs> Castrol Volva. <Just laughs> get it out now. The amount of times I they think sit- it's the it's the British accent that I think is throwing you off. I think it's Castrovalva. It is. It must be because they said vulva repeatedly in this episode. At least you're using the anatomically correct the, word. I am not being crude at all. Um, I I don't I. I don't think I've ever seen a classic episode of Doctor Who outside of. I think you made me watch one other one, or maybe I just accidentally turned it on. The, that can happen. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of them. They're all over the place. <laughs> um, this was interesting. <laughs> I wondered what you guys would think. Um, like it took a while to get rolling, like to get going, and I don't know. Oh if, dear God, yes. I don't know if that. Yeah, there's a. <laughs> There's a whole lot. Like, this didn't need to be as long as it was. <laughs> nope. There was a lot of meandering and whatnot. But, uh, well, this, uh, this show back in the day, uh, I mean, it started in 1963. And I think the format that they do of having one story stretch over several episodes is a holdover from, like, the days of radio, <laughs> um, where they literally wanted to keep you keep you on as long as possible so they stretched way more you know stretched material over way more time than necessary i mean the episodes and, uh, weren't that long i mean no it, it, no yeah all in all it wasn't that much lower was it there four 20 minute episodes 20 to 25 minutes give or take they yeah they fluctuated. so it wasn't that it was like an episode of sherlock basically it mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't too much longer than an hour of television but and the amount of story in those uh four episodes is about the same as the amount of story in a you know modern episode of doctor who is just padded it, out way 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 more all of it happened in like the second half of the third and the fourth episode like there was yeah man fourth episode was just like bananas it was bananas it was awesome like it it was the whole time it was like i regeneration episodes drive me nuts sometimes because it's just like would you just get to the doctor whoing already (laughs) i get it you don't know who you are (laughs) 
get to the Doctor Whoing already. Got it. <laughs> yeah, it's is is it normal for the regeneration process to take three episodes? Um. Well, it's nor it. I would say it's usual for it to take the first like a story you know like this is we're looking at this like it's four episodes but it's really it's one story like i look at this like we just watched it all in one night like it was one episode and it was cut with like a two minute recap of the last two minutes of the previous episode and some absolutely stellar credit sequences in between (laughs) (laughs) that is the stuff of my youth people (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like I would say that yeah, that's the kind of the norm. Like, okay. you know, when Eccleston, David Tennant's first episode, he wasn't, uh, he didn't get to some good old fashioned doctoring until the end of the episode, and when he did, it was awesome. All right, I, I see. it's funny you bring up Tennant as his regeneration because uh, that's what this reminded me of the most, um, or should I say, Tennant's regeneration reminds me of Davison's. Yeah. Um, it makes sense if you think about it. If you've if you've read anything about David Tennant, you know Peter Davison is Tennant's doctor. Yeah. He's the one he grew up on. So it makes a lot of sense that his performance would evoke a lot of this stuff. Interesting. The brainy specs. <laughs> there now, you both of you are apparently more familiar with this this seasons than than I am. Is there always a cast of three? Companions. Uh, this is actually kind of an anomaly for Classic Who. There was always one. There was sometimes two. There were rarely three. Um, but I ch- part of the reason I chose this is that this is t- uh, <laughs> Doctor Five was also my doctor mm-hmm. growing up, and uh, so this is the TARDIS crew that I was first introduced. So I wanted to choose a- an episode that was Fifth Doctor with this TARDIS crew and there's really only like five stories that uh that it could have been with those with. qualifications <laughs> uh so no there were not always three companions and uh it did it it, it was a little bit crowded sometimes well it seems like they were trying to just find things for them to do right type of thing like don't get me wrong the 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 last chunk of this was really entertaining, very Doctor Who-y. It was, uh-huh. it was as if they were just trying, like, it's as if they never met each other beforehand, and then all <laughs> of a sudden this, oh, we're in this situation type of thing. Which kind of makes sense, because it's a regeneration story, so in a sense, none of them have met the Doctor before. Yeah, but the uh, um, the one thing I noticed, and I meant to ask you about this, because um, I haven't seen any of the episodes surrounding this. How long has this crew been together? Because it seemed like like they didn't trust Adric very much. Like they didn't seem to know each other very well. Uh, the, the companions. They had only been together a couple of episodes. Adric was there first, uh, and then I believe Nissa came next, and then Tegan. So she was the newest. Okay. But it had only been the three of them for like one or two episodes together with Tom Baker before, as you see at the beginning of the episode, you see Tom Baker. He was fighting the master um, and he was doing something on top of a radio tower, like several stories in the air and fell off. And that's how he died. Uh, I was wondering why it just started with him lying, dying in a field. 
Yeah, that's another thing that's unique about this is that the regeneration is sort of happened in the middle of a story instead of like it being the beginning of something new like it tends to be these days with modern Doctor Who. Mm. And the regeneration at the beginning of this one is is that like <laughs> is that normal for oh, that God. silhouette monster looking thing in the background to just <laughs> to come on in? <laughs> I don't know if normal is the right word for anything, really. I mean, I've I've seen, like, you know, montages of what the other gen regenerations have looked like over the years, and I think I would say that they never really standardized it until okay. New Who. Okay. Because that's, yeah, that's that... all I'm used to is New Who, where there's, a, you know, some glowiness close to an explosion and New Doctor. <laughs> Although I will say, not just before I forget this point, one of my favorite things about regenerations is seeing the new Doctor in the old Doctor's clothes, and I'm glad that like that's still a thing in in classic Who because I love that in New Who and like watching Peter Davison because I've seen like one or two Peter Davison episodes before and watching him run around in the scarf is really cool. Like even though he immediately unravels, yeah, it. Really. <laughs> yeah, that's like, like talk about a symbol of getting rid of the old character. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I'm literally going to. Un- unravel this and i also love that there's like a an explanation for the celery because uh, well there's no doubt no, that there's not no there was not a reason for the lapel salary no, salary no, 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 not a reason oh. per se just an explanation oh yeah, there was celery in this episode he thought it was neat <laughs> yes if you hadn't seen this and you saw another davison episode and you saw celery on his lapel you'd be like wtf but like there is a reason it was there he now put you it look there at it, just like Boy, that's still weird, but okay. <laughs> I, I, sort, I, I know where it came from. Um, can we talk for just a second about the amount of overacting? Oh my god! I, have I mean, this show is definitely not kosher point. because of the amount of ham that is on the screen. <laughs> what one thing I really, really liked, and I had forgotten about this episode, is that they they took the. Uh, the character of the trapped damsel in distress who's like, no, you can't, you mustn't. And they gender flipped it because they made it Adric. <laughs> him trapped in that web. No, I can't. I'm not going to. You'll never survive. You'll never win, Master. It's, oh, my God. Hysterical. And the Master himself? Wow. Oh, Bravo. It was amazing. <laughs> I love it. I loved every second of it. That guy's amazing. Yes, his name is Anthony Ainley, okay. and he will always be the master to me. I God, I love John Sim. I can never say a bad word against him or his performance, but Anthony Ainley is the master. Now, how many regenerations has the master been through? Because I know of that crazy dude, Eric Roberts. <laughs> Um, the dude from the new series that you just said his name and I don't remember it and Missy right is that it oh lord have mercy okay so the deal with the master is uh, when you meet him early in classic who he's like at the end of his regenerations the doctor beats him and he dies and then he keeps coming back even though he's supposed to be out of regenerations so that's the deal with him so I think there was like a couple before there's a two or three before Anthony Ainley and then he was the master pretty much until the end of classic who hmm. and then when you start new who then it went to John Sim and uh, eventually Missy oh and Eric Rod- Eric Roberts in the middle with the uh, the American TV movie 
Since technically that is canon. <laughs> technically nothing. Okay, let's see. We've got Roger Delgado from 71 to 73, Peter yeah. Pratt, 1976, Jeffrey Beavers, great name, 1981. <laughs> uh, he clearly did a great job because Anthony Ainley took over from 81 to 89, then Eric Roberts in 96, Derek Jacoby in 07, John Sim from 07 from 2007-2010. Derek Jacoby is the master. Derek Jacoby, he was uh, he was the same person as John Sim. Remember he was the old guy at the end of the world in the uh, Jack Harkness oh, episode. Oh, that's right. And then he like the transformed into. I didn't even notice was dressed like the first doctor. And that like blew me away when I first, I was watching, I was rewatching that episode. I was like, oh my God, he's dressed just like William Hartnell. That's so cool. Uh, and then Michelle Gomez, 2014 to present. So this doctor who actually seasonally ran for a year, each season equates to one year. Yeah. This Pretty show much. has been on for a long goddamn time. Well, uh-huh. you downloaded the whole series. Why did you think it took so long? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I thought maybe like season one and season two were in the same year, and that you know, you like the same amount of episodes, not the same amount of years, type of thing. It is shock. Nineteen sixty-three. How long did they have a, a break between old Who and new Who? 89 to 2005 so what is that 17 years oh wow yeah and there was well there's the one special the 1996 special in between and that's it which but that was we're a... gonna have to watch sometime because oh my god <laughs> oh, that is man. a special kind of stupid <laughs> it really is and it's like it's not without its merits like uh paul mcgann i thought he was great as he the was a like, fantastic doctor he it's was a really damn great. shame that there wasn't more of the eighth doctor seriously and the fact that they even brought him back for the, like that beginning segment and the uh, for the anniversary special thing, that was that was wonderful. But yeah, I mean Eric Roberts is the master. Good lord. <laughs> so another thing I wanted to touch on, for it being, you know, produced in '82, the special effects and you can't see me, but I'm air quoting. Uh huh. I can see them all the way from the <laughs> air. I can hear them. <laughs> They, like, I don't know if I thought they were bad or good. I just thought they were. Like, the 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 visualization of, like, confusion in their, you know, like, the labyrinth style, the, uh, the unending maze that was the, the town. Kaleidoscope effect. Yeah. And it was, but it wasn't even a kaleidoscope. It was, like, they just. It's like just, a broken mirror. Yes, yeah. it was closer to that. Um, the, the, the tapestry that, that, you know, had a TV in the middle of it. (laughs) (laughs) Really? The only effect, cause I, I mean, look, I, I love old sci-fi. I think it's phenomenal. I love crappy old sci-fi. Not that this is crappy, but I love that kind of stuff. I love mystery science theater. And there's an element of the crappy to it, dear. Oh, there really is. I'm fully willing to admit. There, there there definitely is, but it's, it's the good kind of crappy old sci-fi and, I have such a love for it that cheesy special effects like that they don't bother me like they don't take me out of the experience so much I I find them them clever I like I like looking at things that are done on a shoestring budget and figuring out how they're going to make that happen and there was one effect in this that I just hated there was one effect okay. that was a complete and utter failure and that was the master 
uh, the old guy turning into the master that like, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to call that. It was just like, it was a slideshow. Like <laughs> here's a picture of me. Here's a picture of the other guy. And they, they were, it was not even vaguely convincing. <laughs> it was just bad. I, I thought the master escaping in his fireplace left a little to be desired because you could see him pulling the screen down and, <laughs> and to cover his feet, but it didn't come all the way down. So like it stopped and he just stood there. <laughs> I I also love Joe. Uh, the the master had a TARDIS. I'm like that's cool. He had his own TARDIS. That's great. He did, and and his TARDIS. Uh, <clears throat> the deal with the TARDIS is that it has a circuit, a chameleon circuit, which is supposed to allow it to change forms and blend in with with the surroundings wherever it lands. The Doctor's chameleon circuit has always been broken, which is why it's always a police box. Uh-huh. So it's cool to get to see the Master's TARDIS with a working chameleon circuit, <laughs> and you get you see it in other episodes too, where like you don't know his TARDIS is there because it is like the fireplace or it's something else, or, you know. I did I did note that it was a like a Roman column the first time, yeah. just floating in midair. I was like, oh, I maybe th- that's what a TARDIS looks like in realsies. <laughs> I think that it was that way f- because of the surroundings of the previous episode. Uh, okay. There is one thing that's really irking me about this, because I, you know, seeing uh, somebody else with a TARDIS, and it makes that same noise, and there was it was some episode of Current Who where River gives him a bunch of crap about she was able to take it off and land it really quietly because it makes that noise because the Doctor's always flown it wrong. And, like... That 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 kind of retcon smarty smarty pants line is like really really dangerous, especially when you're dealing with continuity that long. Because now that completely contradicts the fact that Tardises just sound like that. Um, wow, that, that line has always rubbed me wrong in New Who for some reason, and now I know why. <laughs> because it's it's malarkey made to make River sound smarter than she was, and you didn't need to make River sound smart. She was doing just fine on her own. Thank you. <laughs> and rent. I mean, all in all, for for 1982, the cast was great. The story was actually very entertaining. I do wish it was. I don't like. I wish it was paced a little bit better, because yeah. it does. It could have been three, maybe, probably two episodes. Um, but I get it. It, it it's it's a, it's a product of its time. I enjoyed this Doctor. I did not think. I, I thought they m- I may have had a problem because I'm only used to current doctors, and I had a little time. You know, it took a few episodes for me to get used to um, Capaldi because of the gruffness, and I guess I like a lighter-hearted doctor. Um, this guy was this guy was entertaining. He was good. He once he got rolling, and you know, he got into that zero room or the zero town that he needed to be in. And, it was a zero was, chamber, whatever. A zero coffin that they were carrying. Zero cabinet. <laughs> zero cabinet. That was it. That was funny. <laughs> it's the little the thing, thing that I like. Yeah, the thing that I like about Davison's doctor is, uh, you could plop him down in an episode of Modern Who, and without anybody telling you who that character is, you'd know it's the Doctor because he really like embodies the character. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that they they labeled 
the where they were going, like when when they weren't control of the TARDIS, was event one. Uh huh. And like, it it was, it was neat how they tied all of time together at the Big Bang Theory, at the Big Bang, and uh-huh. their little visualization of the room filling up with, I don't know, fog. It was just it was charming. It was really <laughs> impressive because like when they talked, the smoke steam would move around their mouths. Like the fact that they paid that much attention to detail with that effect, I thought it was really cool. They just, they just threw a fog machine in there. <laughs> they were. It, it seemed like every time one of them touched the control panel, it was hot. Like I don't know if they were doing yeah. that on purpose or whatnot. <laughs> but it, there was a lot of commitment. Yes. Uh, Yes. And that's one of the other things I like about Doctor Who as a whole, classic and new, is there's so much consistency uh, over the, but both for the show, like the the overall story of the show, and for the consistency of a character that's been played by over a dozen people over the last fifty plus years. Right. That's pretty friggin' impressive. Absolutely, absolutely, it really is, and the companions all did a very entertaining job they all played their parts very well i did feel like nissa was kind of stoned throughout the entire thing but i don't know if she her character is more analytical or robotic before this maybe that's her thing but i was like hmm in comparison to like tegan she was she was robotic and i'm like i'm just gonna give her that that's her character that's who she's supposed to be and then yeah, she is sort of uh, more straight laced. She was uh, came from a very sheltered background. Okay, she's also like a super genius. Okay, um, and the daughter of like kind of royalty, not exactly. That's another thing I like about this Tardis crew. Two of the three of them are not from Earth. Like I know oh. they all look like people, but Adric and Nissa are from completely other planets. And in this episode, they went to another planet that wasn't Earth. Like that's I feel like they go to Earth all the time. I knew who and it drives me crazy. I'm like, look what they could do in 1982 with no money. Yeah. I yeah, mean, you know what? It's really it's it's a Moffat thing because if you look back at the Davies episodes, they were in space stations. They were all over the friggin' place in the Russell Davies stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's it's more Moffat incessant Moffating. <laughs> <laughs> he will never cease his incessant Moffating. All in all, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. It was it was it was neat to to get a snapshot of what Doctor where Doctor Who came from, and. It then thank you. It was it was a lot of fun. It, it's it's so cool to see that that DNA is like it's the writing is still Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Like it's it, the new show still follows the same more or less formula and still manages to feel fresh. It's yeah. I, I really enjoy when it, when I get to actually sit down and watch classic Who. I it does put me to sleep from time to time. Um, <laughs> it put me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of an affectation of mine. I am. I am incredibly soothed by old science fiction. Um, I <laughs> like a warm blanket. Science theater all the time. It's like a warm blanket to me. It's it's seriously like I enjoy it a lot, but it also the sound of old science fiction movies is just it's the most calming thing in the universe to me. <laughs> so uh, a lot of old, classic Who, even if I'm really enjoying it, does tend to to make me feel a bit sleepy. Just like old mystery science theater puts me to sleep, and it's my favorite show ever. So. Understandable. Yeah. We all uh, have our things, but other, you know. 
doesn't help that the pacing of the show is a little dragging yeah, sometimes. That is You're very like, true. There is... okay, we get it. You have to hike through the woods to get to Castrovalva. And Jesus in Christ. those shoes, my God. How did <laughs> Can they... we talk she gonna for fall in the water? Once... <laughs> she's going to fall in the water? She's going to fall in the water. Oh, uh... she fell in the water. Now and she's then making a funny she made face. the best face ever. <laughs> <laughs> Two camera you know, face, like, okay, that, all right, yes. Well, that scene was missing was a sad trombone. <laughs> I think they uh, they threw her that little bone because her character is so buttoned up all the time. <laughs> I actually, there was a scene where they're carrying the, the zero chamber chest thing, and they go through, like, some shrubbery, and her hair thing got pulled yeah. out. I, she lost her hair thing. I was like, oh, man, is she going to go back for that? <laughs> And then it wasn't in her hair in the no. next scene. I was very proud of the continuity people there. It looked important. All right, I. It's Doctor Who. It's it's not. It's like Chris said. It follows the same formula: new, old. It's Doctor Who. It's a great. Like this take is very comforting if you like the new stuff because it's not. It's not out in left field. It is there. There is a doctor. It's not who. as jarring as go going back to first doctor. You know, right. like that's yeah. That's that's pretty jarring. Right. Um, this this still feels comfortable. I mean, there's that that one of my favorite things is that little mini episode thing that happens between the Titanic episode where um, Peter Davison meets Tenet's doctor, and that's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should you should watch that. I feel I like I've send. seen that. It's just fantastic. They even make a little joke about him looking older because of some wibbly wobbly timey wimey <laughs> stuff, and he points out the brainy specs, and uh, you don't even need him. You just wear him to look smart. It's great. Um, yeah, but- and, and there there are uh, Peter Davison episodes where he puts on glasses. He did it in this episode. Yeah, I can yeah, remember. He did it a couple times. I, I was every time he did it, I was like, yeah, it's the brainy specs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Beautiful stuff. Fantastic, Karen. Yet again, awesome choice. Thank you. I'm glad you guys liked it. Um, Very much. Let's let's take a quick break, and we got a bunch of news to cover, so stay tuned. This month on the Waveback Podcast, it was Vicky's turn to choose the game. She took the opportunity to introduce some music from one of video games' most notable composers, Nobuo Uematsu, for the first time on the show. Though he's responsible for most of the music in the Final Fantasy series, Vicky chose the music from a lesser-known Xbox 360 game, Lost Odyssey. Give a listen to Waveback, episode 37, Lost Odyssey. In the dead of winter, it seems citrus is everywhere, including your beer. Inspired by the missus, Hunter Wilde took home a few citrus-tinged brews to try and has faithfully reported the results for you out of the goodness of his own heart. For his recommendations, click on over and read The Imbibing Scribe, Boarding Call for the Citrus Flight. If you're interested in FX's new mutant series, Legion, but you just don't have the time to keep up with the show, then you're in luck. Our own Trish Reyes recaps the latest offering in the X-Men universe from the creator of the Fargo TV show in her weekly series, Legion of Spoilers. Chapter one is available now with new installments posted on the Monday after each episode airs. Click on spoilers in the articles tab on our homepage to find this and all our other fantastic TV recap series. 
Remember when the world was saved on a weekly basis by heroes piloting lion-shaped ships that assembled to form a giant robot? Those were the good old days. Our good pals at Netflix have reached back into our primary colored pasts, grabbed hold of one of our favorite cartoon properties, and rebooted it for the modern age. Can the new version hold up to the legacy of its past? Find out in Paladins and Lions, Voltron, Legendary Defender, located in the Think Tank. You can catch all this great stuff plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more right now at geekade.com. Chris! Hey! Give us your intro. It was fun before. My intro? You know what time it is? It's time for the Dragon Ball Super 60 Second Summary. (laughs) I have to find some sort of sound effect to put underneath that. All right, sir. You have your clock ready? I do. All right, whenever you are ready. All right, it is time. Here we go. And start. So, this time on Dragon Ball Super, well, not a whole lot happened. Goku is still getting the king of the everything to get the, the tournament together. We did learn that the king of everything decided, yeah, he's going to do the tournament, but Beerus and everyone aren't too thrilled about it. You know why? Because it turns out the king of everything is going to just erase the losers from existence. So, uh, now hanging out with his king of the everything uh, doppelganger from the future, uh, he he wanted to see that guy didn't get to see the old tournament so he wanted to do a quick exhibition match against uh, universe 9 so he pulled together goku to get two of his friends together to come and compete in this exhibition match uh for the other king and he got gohan to do it because vegeta still won't go because he's waiting for bulma to have another kid and they finally convinced majin buu to actually fight and these three dog guys showed up and they were from the other universe and the ones just started beating up majin buu ruthlessly and if anybody knows anything about majin buu that's clearly not going to go well for the other guy because majin Boo is basically a pink, indestructible blob, and that's the end of the episode. Well, that was exactly 60 seconds. You, you, sure you, ooh, that was good. Thank you so much, sir. Anytime. And we're back. Thank you so much for paying attention to the commercials and keeping pace with Chris and his recap. On oh, to news. Man. I didn't, we didn't, I wanted to start the show with the thing about Sean. Oh, well. You want, What? I, I put it in the, the conversation we were having earlier. I wanted to start the show, like the beginning of the show. I wanted to talk about the This Way to Egress thing, not the beginning of the news. But that's okay. We can do oh. it now. Well, do you want to start it with the beginning of the news? Because I was going to wrap it up so we can have a, a longer time with that. Wherever you think it'll do the most good. Okay. Let's let's do it at the end. First up, um, I did we, we spoke about Catastrophe on the show, right? Yes, we did. Okay, because I remember watching it, and I couldn't remember if I watched it for this show or if I just happened to catch it. But Catastrophe, Catastrophe Season 3 has a release date, and it is it will be Miss um, Fisher's last TV role. So that's the last thing, apparently, that she has. She didn't have any other television, but... It's, We're talking about Carrie Fisher. Yes. There could be any number That's of Miss true. Fishers. Well, if you've watched the show, Carrie Fisher plays the uh, crabby mother character. She always... She, poor, poor guy. Um, yeah, this is her, her final role on television. Um, now, in this article, we also will be, will be posting a link for the article and a link for a cute little, like trailer video where they do some interviews with the two main cat the two main characters um the 
video says April 28th. The article says February 28th. Well, if you, <laughs> the article is about its premiere in England. Oh. When it's going to premiere on BBC Channel 4, whereas the trailer is announcing its release date on Netflix. Or uh, I, Amazon I thought Prime. It was, and the reason I was taking the Amazon, because I thought it was an Amazon show. It is not. It is, it isn't, well, it's an Amazon show that it's, it's a show Amazon bought from BBC. Oh, so see, now it's so clear. I think they co-produce it. Interesting. I did not know that. But, so then, BBC, available 28th of February, which is end of this month and then it will be available on amazon prime in april so check that out it's a lot of fun i remember liking that show quite a bit i should catch up i, th- I don't know if i am actually caught up i'm really excited for the show to come back it was so good it was very good yeah the two of them play so well against each other like really fast very entertaining very smart um this next speaking of premiere dates yeah what <laughs> this next the, the next article I was both happy and sad about um, uh, what about what's right under the catastrophe trailer oh well okay wow that's a tiny little that's a tiny little picture um, okay sorry let's try that again speaking of premiere dates <laughs> <laughs> guys this is flawless smooth um, <laughs> orange is the new black Season season five premiere date has been announced. Uh, it is June 9th. And thankfully, there is a video in this article that reminded me if I had actually seen the end of season four. And I did. Very happy that I don't have anything to catch up on. What happened at the end of season four? The, what, the one girl is holding a gun to one of the guards' heads. It was a riot. Yeah. The prisoners were like kind of on a riot, oh, and Daya got right. a hold of the gun. That's right, Daya got the. That was after um, Pusey got killed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's all coming back to me now. Yes. <laughs> so, cool. Yes. More orange is the new black. June 9th. fifth season. Nothing. That's it. Yeah. So the, I guess they'll keep going with this as long as they possibly can. Good show. Lots of fun. Uh, <laughs> Good show. Good show. Now, this article is the one that I was both pleased with and upset. Um, the voice for Miss Frizzle uh, network on Netflix's Magic School Bus has been announced. Um, I, I have stated before, there's no real reason for me to be able to know anything about this show. I am too old for it, and I have no children. But um, <laughs> I think I came up with some bullshit excuse for knowing about it, like family or something. But Kate McKinnon has been officially booked for Miss Frizzle. Does Miss Frizzle have slices of bread for earrings? Yes. Well, it, I, it's possible. It's possible. I've never seen a second of Magic School Bus. I'm just looking at this picture, and one of her earrings looks like... They look like sandwiches. There's a slice of bread <laughs> floating in front of her her hoop earring, or she just has bread earrings. <laughs> That's what I think is happening. I think the Magic School Bus driver lady has bread earrings. And really, bread earrings should be a thing. I mean, they're like... Bread. Uh, and eventually be replaced by fried chicken. Um, 
I think really she always had very weird earrings, I, if I remember correctly. <laughs> oh, so there's like a rotating cast of strange earrings, yes. huh? Yes. All right. Um, I've, Lily Tomlin was the original voice, and I was kind of hoping, seeing as she is currently on television, that she would, that she would be recasted. But not going to happen, but I'm okay with, with Kate. She is very funny. Um, she does a lot of different voices. She's a very talented, talented woman. So I guess I'm okay with this. Well, as long as Evan approves, uh, yeah. I guess we can move forward. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 Speaking of children's uh, television. On the front of children's television. Segway. <laughs> Woohoo! Whoa, look out, people. Just <laughs> knocking the segways out of the park tonight. <laughs> Julie Andrews is doing a children's show. I... Th- I- I don't, Karen, you posted that your children, our kids will be watching every damn minute of this. Um, yes. Of this. 100%. Uh, Apparently you have strong feelings about either Julie Andrews or the arts, because. I have strong feelings about the arts, and, uh, you know, seeing as it's seems possible given our new secretary of education that there will be no more arts education there will be no uh, more school of course anywho sorry <laughs> it it's you know to to bring it to the people on netflix this is a great idea i don't think that you could pick a better person than julie andrews um let's not forget the henson company connection here the, it is being produced by the henson company mm-hmm. and involves you know not any like well-known Muppets, but still Muppet characters or Muppet-type puppets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This show looks adorable, and it looks like, you know, a, like a really fun way to introduce kids to all sorts of things. Chris and I were just uh, in New York last weekend, and uh, we made a stop into one of my favorite stores in New York, the Drama Bookshop, and they had a little cute little uh, kids section. Mm-hmm. With some books, in it, you know, some picture books. And all the picture books that were aimed to kids, teaching them about theater and things like that, all seem to be aimed a little older than our kids are. This show is aimed at preschoolers, and I think it's fantastic. And I have a question. How do you guys, you know, you have very young children. With the, the availability of Netflix children's programming, is this a good thing? Because that's... There used to be a thing where, you know, the kid had to wait. You know, it's now it's all available in one shot. Well, the way we tend to handle it is, like, it gives us the control to when we get to dole out TV for our kids. Interesting. Interesting. Well, it... So it's not like, you know, it's only on at that time so our kids can kind of... uh, I don't know, manipulate us into letting them watch it because if they don't get to see it at the time that it's on then they won't get to see it and then we'll feel bad it's there whenever we need it it's up to us when we are allow them to get to see it into complete the complete opposite of the way i was thinking about it well done thank you <laughs> i mean like I, i'm like it's it's all there now just you know the kid sits down and just binges it type of thing and then they don't have anything left but now very valid point you can dole out the time in which you know hey do this you get you get you get your your dose of julie for the day so also uh from what i've come to understand with my own child uh 
kids have no problem watching the same thing oh. over and over again. <laughs> Which means streaming television is so convenient for parents in that case. It's like, oh, just, you know, hit the whatever, the the replay button that starts the episode over again. It also is convenient because sometimes... Sometimes you need TV to be a babysitter. Like, we're not perfect parents. Nobody is. Like, sometimes it's like, I need to make dinner. Here, watch some Chuck the Dump Truck. (laughs) Chuck the Dump Truck. Nice. Oh, God, I hate Chuck the Dump Truck. (laughs) Uh, He's no blippy, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, This next article... We all wanted to post in in this in our feed as quickly as possible, but I feel like Chris, you'll have the most to say about it. Um, Netflix quietly announces a Castlevania series for 2017. I don't understand why they did it quietly. This is a, I don't either. This is uh, it was very strange the way that it just kind of happened. It wasn't even really announced. It was just on a list. Right. That was, uh, you know, set forth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Castlevania series. Now, there's been talks of uh, some people making a Castlevania animated series uh, for a while. And it turns out this, this at least to my eyes, appears to be it. Uh, it seems to be based off of Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse. Um, it is going to be animated from what I've come to understand. Uh, I'm interested in it. I think that uh, Dracula's Curse is the best game to pull from I think mm-hmm. if you're going to start something like this um, because it is at least was at the time like of the old school Castlevania games it was the earliest in the uh, in the timeline it stars a cast of characters instead of one guy going up against uh, Universal Monsters right. which is kind of what the original Castlevania was it was uh, character Simon Belmont going up against you know the mummies and Medusa for some reason Uh, but it was all it was like based off of like universal monsters Um, Castlevania 3 was really where you started to get a a bunch of lineage thrown in there you got multiple characters including Alucard Dracula's son uh, a pirate named Grant Dynasty (laughs) (laughs) Dynasty Uh, and a wizard named Saifa, Belnades, I think is how you say that. I've never really understood the pronunciation of that. And it also stars Trevor Belmont, uh, who's an interesting character. Um, I'm interested. I, I almost would love to see a live action take on this. Um, but I mean, I guess something like that could be expensive. Not that Mm -hmm. Netflix seems to have a problem spending money, but, uh, I love the Castlevania series. Uh, I, I believe that it is based off of Dracula's Curse, but it could also be based on the more recent Castlevania stuff, because there are two sets of Castlevania games. There was the ones that took place for a long, long time, and then there was a reboot uh, that uh, kind of Lords of Shadow is what it was called, and it was a really, really great take on the story. I didn't love the games too much, mm-hmm. but uh, this is real interesting. Um, this is this is Netflix getting their hands on a video game property to try to adapt it, and Video game properties being adapted have been uh, dodgy, to say the least. Right. Uh, although, I did watch the first episode of the recent Pac-Man show, which is surprisingly not awful. <laughs> um, they actually made a story for Pac-Man. It was weird. I think it's already been canceled. I, I, I don't know. But it was on Disney XD for a couple of years. Um, but there hasn't been a lot of really good quality 
stuff pulling video games into the uh, different form of entertainment and the guy who's running this is extremely enthusiastic uh did you are you talking about the director guy yeah the one who was just like yeah i know exactly why all the video game movies have sucked because they've been doing Mm -hmm. blah 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 instead of right you know paying attention to what makes them great in the first place. They've all been trying to adapt the video game into a movie instead of just telling the damn story. Right. The video uh, games are a story. Like, you don't have to go far out from what it actually starts at. And most of the time, any sort of live action or cartoon version of a video game property tries to recreate what is already there they don't have to they, they consistently try to reinvent the wheel and i was yeah. I, as i was reading another article that was attached to this there was talk um like someone made comment about um a link or a, a zelda cartoon or animated series now with breath of the wild coming up and whatnot and nintendo being very protective of their titles and as i read that line i'm like mm, yeah i don't know about that but i'm hoping because that that storyline is is rife with entertainment. We've value. talked about that on Stone Age Gamer a bunch. Uh, the Legend of Zelda franchise would be great to turn into some sort of long form entertainment. I would love to see that happen. I mean, but yeah, Nintendo has been really uh, up until very recently. They've been really really careful with their properties because you know they have a lot they, of properties that are are very good for long form entertainment. Oh, absolutely! Metroid, it was actually and, uh, one of our first, uh, one of the first Geekade top tens that we ever did was one that I wrote based on Nintendo properties. I think should be a cartoon series. There but, you go. You know, if you look back on when Nintendo was, they used to just hand out the license, and we wound up with the Super right. Mario Brothers movie and the Super Mario Brothers Super Show and the Legend of Zelda cartoon. And while charming in their own ways, they're not good. <laughs> and if they're going to do stuff with their properties, uh, they're they're being much more careful mm-hmm. with that now. I'm hoping that uh, this, if this Castlevania series does what I feel that it can do, that maybe we'll get like a, a little looser reins on some of the other properties, to co- you know, that can support long form storytelling. Like I said, like Zelda, like uh, Metroid, Mega Man, like. All of those. Well, there is a new Mega Man cartoon coming out in 2017 as well. There you go. Uh, I don't know what network it's airing on. I think it's Disney XD. Okay. Um, but it's a complete reboot of Mega Man. Oh, um, hmm. There was some test footage that was released very recently that wasn't supposed to be released. Uh, it looks odd, but it doesn't look terrible. So I'm willing to give it a shot. Uh, that's actually why the Mega Man comic was canceled because Capcom was doing this whole oh, cartoon reboot thing for the Mega Man brand. So there is some video game TV coming uh, this year. And you know what? If it's successful, I'm sure there will be others that come out of the woodworks. You Mm -hmm. know, Super Mario Bros. Super Show was super successful. So we got the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon and there was eventually a Kirby cartoon even. And people keep trying to do it. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Um, This is an interesting property to do something with, especially because the brand has been pretty silent for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So um, we'll see. All right, we we talked a long time on that one. Let's 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 move on and and breeze through a couple of these. Um, Michael C. Hall is set to play JFK in season two of Netflix's The Crown, um, which is great casting. I think he is a phenomenal actor. The show is very good. Um, what what I this this is an expensive show to make, like uh-huh. shockingly expensive. <laughs> 
Uh, da, da, da. Streaming service expensive production cost clocking in at over $150 million. That's a lot of money for a TV show. Yep. And it's because and it's... And it wins all the awards. And it wins all the awards. It's And it, what's funny is it's because it's a period piece. Because of all the costumes and the locations and, and stuff like that. Because there ain't no special effects in this, this show. <laughs> there are no giant spaceships or nothing. Um... And of course, the the cast, the acting caliber, you know, I, I'm okay with this. I feel like Michael C. Hall is is a very good actor. I, I, I feel like we should be seeing more of him. And now we a little uh, side tangent to this. We just saw a commercial last night. Apparently, John Lithgow uh, is next project after winning tons of awards for being on the crown is to do some really strange looking half hour comedy on NBC. I'm okay with that because I was always a fan of that uh, where he was the alien that came to earth with his third rock rock from the sun. sun. I loved that show. (laughs) And John Lithgow for as good of a dramatic actor as he is, he is a phenomenal comedic actor. Most oh, definitely. he's very funny. It's just that the premise of this show struck me as odd. Well. He's supposed to be like guilty of murder or something <laughs> like that. And his defense team is completely inept. <laughs> I think it's called trial and error. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And the grinder gets canceled. <laughs> and the grinder got canceled. <laughs> um. Okay. Next up. <laughs> I am. I don't know why I'm so excited about this. Um, because it's awesome, Evan. <laughs> okay, so we have. I'm pretty sure we stated that Bill Nye is do is coming back. Bill Nye, the science guy, is coming back to Netflix with uh, a science based show, like he had in the past. Fantastic. Um, we're gonna link in the show notes to a trailer for said show, and Alton Brown will be making his appearance on the show. Yay! That's like, yeah, that was when I watched the trailer for this in the first place. That was the spot that like really got me excited for it. it was just you just see him next to Bill Nye, and they both got flasks, and something explodes. I'm like, yes, and they're doing, yes, they're doing um like evil genius laughs. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's perfect, it's phenomenal. <laughs> uh, so the show looks like it's it's gonna it's gonna be entertaining. They have a lot of special guests. I saw a couple of um, Scrubs guys on there. Uh, yeah, it, Donald Faison's gonna be there. It's and and what's his name? <sighs> Fucking Topher Grace is stuck in my head, and it's not Topher Grace. Zach Braff. Zach Braff. That's the one. So, yeah, this is this is all sorts of correct. Uh, Netflix is yet to fuck up. What the hell? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I heard the OA was pretty bad. <sighs> it did get renewed though. It sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have been doing that bad. A lot of people watched it. <laughs> And it was like the last episode that everyone got turned off on. They were like, I don't know. Is this interesting? This looks pretty interesting. And then the last episode, everyone was like, nope, screw this show. I'm out. Uh, all right. Um, now, it has been a long time since I have consciously watched SNL. Th- that This is the one shining glimmer of, of hope or, or, or positivity with the current administration is it is rife for comedic judgment. Melissa McCarthy has been doing these skits on Saturday Night Live 
where she portrays House Press Secretary, House Press Secretary Sean Spicer. And tears rolled down my eyes when I watched these. She is amazing. Yes, she is. And such a professional. I haven't seen all the sketches, but the first one where she did this character, the fact that she didn't break. Not once. I was so fucking impressed. In the second, okay, in the image that's on this article where she is holding her leg up to show the shoes, uh-huh. <laughs> I, it seamless entered, like, so goddamn funny. That, that little, that, that podium, she's carts around, like, Okay, so the point of this article is that SNL has had its highest ratings recently um, in over the past, was it 20 years? <laughs> like a rec- 22, it says. 22 years. Highest ratings in 22 years. 22 years ago was mid-90s SNL, which was rock solid. Like, you got no better than, than mid-90s SNL. This is... The last episode, like, every time they're making fun of this guy and and this crew, it is fantastic. And I don't know if it's because of how I feel about the crew or the presentation that I'm seeing in front of me. And I'm pretty sure it's, like, even. Like, they do a phenomenal job. And I'm okay with watching the, you know, the big bad wolf get poked. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes, the comedy army has, uh, you know, been advancing. Yes, very much so. <laughs> um, I, this, I feel like this already happened, but a, a little side article about a documentary coming up on HBO. Um, WWE and Bill Simmons are partnering to make a Andre the Giant documentary for HBO, which is neat. Uh, we have some wrestling fans in our mists. You know, over at Geekade. I feel like there was an Andre the Giant documentary a while ago because he was a big deal. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I remember Dan, uh, my Strange Gamer co-host, Dan, talking to me about um, something with Andre the Giant's story. And I thought it was really interesting. He's an, he, he certainly led an interesting life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's it's going to be yeah. on HBO. HBO. So. Documentary. Should. Wrestling. Cool. Should be really interesting. I mean, you know, not just wrestling. Dude was uh, also, he was in Princess Bride, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, check that out. The Speaking of documentaries, that's that's another one right there. Mark that one down, Chris. Um, Deep Space Nine, the showrunner for Deep Space Nine, is crowdfunding to make a documentary about Deep Space Nine. I... <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of recursion, <laughs> I, have, I have no idea how I feel about this, but they've already blown past their goal. So, yeah, I was going to say that it hap- already got. It's going to happen. Are you insinuating that there are Star Trek fans with disposable income? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you, I don't know. I haven't actually looked into. It's an Indiegogo setup so it's slightly different than a kickstarter but i'm sure there are progressive goals that you know like with um mystery science theater every time they hit a goal you got more episodes or whatever uh i am sure there are plenty of goals to be reached um it's interesting they're gonna the showrunner of course has the availability to get a lot of the cast back so 
That's great. Except I felt like they said that the captain won't be there. <laughs> they haven't. They ha- yes. Yes, Cisco. They haven't been able to nail down Cisco yet. Yeah. Which could change. Who knows? Maybe it's just a cost thing. I don't know. But if you like Star Trek, and this is this would be the best place to get a documentary from. The person that was responsible for the show will now explain to you what happened on the show. It's not some Deep Space Nine was pretty darn good. Yeah, it's not like some fan based thing. This is this is the correct way to do a documentary. Um. Okay. I don't. I I love Misha Collins. I feel like I love Misha Collins so much. <laughs> I like. I feel like they like the people doing this interview just wanted to talk to him, and they really didn't think about questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a cute little article uh, about an interview with Misha Collins because he does. He makes an appearance on the show Timeless, and he is playing Elliot Ness, which really isn't that. F- I I could see it being Castiel. Yeah, I, he really, like, he looks that period. Yes. So, I mean, it just makes sense. And, I mean, it is what it is. If you like Castiel or Misha, because I feel like it's not going to be a far stretch from Castiel, uh, check out Timeless. Public Enemy number one is the name of the episode. And check out the article, because it's a cute little interaction between Entertainment Weekly and, and Misha. about. And he just seems like such a sweet guy. It's just really nice. <laughs> um, I just want to watch this episode of Timeless and get to see if, like, he gets to say, like, "Hey, ass butt," <laughs> or whatever, you know. Yes, that that would be an Easter egg for the fans. Um, all right. <laughs> when I first saw the the heading for this article, I I totally expected something else. Um, Netflix cheating is on the rise globally and shows no signs of stopping. This was one of the most entertaining articles I've read in a very long time because it takes this silliness that is couples who watch shows together that, you know, one watches a few more episodes more than the other one and doesn't tell. Netflix binge cheating. It takes it to a whole new level. There's lots of statistics and percentages. And I'm like, wow, they did a lot of research into this. Why do we cheat? Can we help it? Apparently, couples who watch television shows together don't really do it together, according to the the stats. I don't cheat on you, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel... I I don't know about that. Um... So it was interesting. We're Honestly, actually when the hell would that's I? probably true. Good point. <laughs> he can't even keep up with shows that he watches on his own, <laughs> let alone like shows we watch together. Uh, we're actually both in the middle of a rewatch of Justified, uh, and I think that's as close as it would come to uh, cheating. Is that he's <clears throat> has more ability to be able to watch episodes than I do, so he's further along than I am. But since we've both seen the show already, it doesn't really I count. I don't think it counts. I, I'm not going to count yeah. that one. You're, you're still in the clear, Chris. Good job. Alright, and finally, uh, you guys, do you guys know about this? Because this is the first I saw this this information about uh, Egress. Is this something that you guys are yes. familiar with? Okay. okay. Uh, very much so. So, uh, <clears throat> I decided to back a Kickstarter project that is uh, 
uh, a band called This Way to the Egress. And I backed this Kickstarter project because uh, there's a certain member of this band by the name of Tubidoo, <laughs> who is a tuba player, who is also, uh, as the other nickname, Argyle Johansson, who is the guy who wrote this very, this very show's oh, theme song. Oh, look at that. See, I didn't know that. I didn't put Tubidoo together with Argyle. <laughs> yes, Argyle Johansson, a.k.a. my good friend John, who uh, I went to school with. Uh, he is in a great band. They're very bizarre. Uh, they're very talented. Um, uh, called This Way to the Egress. And they are doing a Kickstarter for um, uh, their new album. They're, they're putting, again, putting together money so they can afford to do a proper good recording of their next album. Uh, it's We're going to leave a, a, a link to it in the show notes. And uh, one of the prizes is that uh, John Argyle... Uh, is doing random covers uh, of things for people. And that led me to his YouTube page, where we found out that about a year ago, unbeknownst to us, uh, he did a cover of the Doctor Who theme. There you go. Uh, on his tuba, <laughs> with a glockenspiel. With a glockenspiel. And a melodica. A glockenspiel. And a melodica. <laughs> a glockenspiel. And I, I was with him when he got that glockenspiel, by the way. I, <laughs> I, I remember that glockenspiel very well. And... Uh, it's really cool. All right, so it's standardly really with the, the most current episodes that we have been doing, when I open the show, I cut in a portion mm -hmm. of the theme song from whatever episode or, or show we're watching. I'm going to cut in a portion of his cover, and then we will have a link <laughs> in the show notes for the, the the Great Balancing Act Kickstarter. And and I'll let the, the show's theme song at the end run a little longer as well. So you get a taste of... Be do, yeah. You've you've got to do the original Doctor Who theme. I mean, it's it is a it is a work of art. But also, uh, any any attention that we can bring to To Be Do, if you're interested. I mean, if you like our show's theme song, which I do, I love it. Um, this way to egress is pretty different, um, but it's very it's very fascinating stuff. It's really good music and. Uh, uh, Argyle is a is a good friend of mine. He's a really good dude, and the all the people in this band are great. This this is a, a really cool band, really worth your time. Uh, I'm not really in the habit of plugging uh, people's kickstarters per se, but really, if, if if John's asking me for money, I'm 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 given. So, and he's been nice enough to let us use his music for our show's theme uh, for however many episodes we've been doing this. So, uh, it's definitely worth worth a listen. Well, there you go. We will we will make that happen as best as we can. All right, guys, that's it. That's that's the news that's fit to talk about on a podcast that we give a shit about. Um, well said, <laughs> Chris. Give your spiel, and you're you're up this week, right? This is your turn. I am okay. up this week. Yes. So, Chris, spiel away. I will spiel away. You can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook with both the Geekade page and the This Week's Episode page. Find us on Instagram at Geekade. Subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content, and follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade, or follow the show specifically at Twepcast. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K-R-I-S. Evan is at... Geekade underscore Evan. I forgot for a and second. And Karen is at... <laughs> Shoot underscore the underscore mood. 
If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed here tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher, where if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com where we post something new every single day, no matter how hard it is <laughs> to actually do. Back to you, Evan. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris, for all that you do. Um, so out of curiosity, will you tell, okay, because a little behind the scenes, will you tell me the other two that you were thinking about or will I only find no. out number three? You will only find Damn out it. the one that you picked. All right. Because I want it to be a surprise for the next time I pick them. All right. Fine. What are we picking? Uh, what are we watching? <laughs> all right. Uh, this week, and this was really kind of the my first choice uh, back before I got distracted by other options, uh, just because of what's been going on in the world of entertainment that I am extraordinarily excited about. Uh, I'm going to pick one of my very favorite episodes of Samurai Jack. Uh, we're going to be doing season one, episode seven, Jack and the three and the three blind archers. Um, it is it, it's it's just I haven't watched it in a very long time. I haven't seen this episode in years. Um, I know Karen has little to no experience with Samurai Jack. I don't know when the last time you oh. watched this episode was, but when I think of this show, this is one of the ones that that jumps out in my mind as being particularly impressive. So I hope it is as good as I remember it. Um, so yeah. That's that's what we're doing. Samurai Jack, season one, episode seven, Jack and the Three Blind Archers. Perfect, sir. Thank you so much. All right, that that does it. Um, I feel like I should say this. This is this is episode seventy-one. We never say we have done over seventy episodes. That is kind of shocking to me. <laughs> I don't know why. Is it? It is. Okay. <laughs> When I was, you know, I'd make take my little notes, and I was like, "What episode? Shit, we did, we've we've done over 70. Thank you all for paying attention to the ramblings of three people who just like to watch TV. Greatly, greatly appreciate it, guys. Phenomenal work this week. Catch on. Oh, thanks. Catch you, catch you next week. So, from all of us here at this week's episode, I'm Evan. I'm Karen. Reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. Good night.
And this concludes our broadcast day.